Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, let's go to 1 John chapter 2. Um, in John chapter 1, and we talked about this two weeks ago, we dove into the importance of having our doctrine in line with the written word of God. 1 John was written to deal with false doctrine, of the false doctrine of Gnosticism primarily. Um, of course, you can find answers in Scripture all, you know, that hits all sorts of things. Um, in chapter 1, we have the Holy Spirit through the Apostle John speaking to us about Jesus' deity and humanity. And so there were two very important things that need to be believed. Um, Gnosticism basically says the flesh, there's actually an extreme version of it that says that Jesus in the flesh really wasn't the son of God. It was just some dude named Jesus and the spirit of God was in this flesh, but the flesh wasn't important at all. The problem is you need a virgin birth. So the problem with that understanding is you, you end up losing out on a very key point, which is, and, and I don't have time to get into this, but this is, the, this is the brief version, okay? Sin is passed through the blood. The blood is in the sperm. So a virgin birth to have a holy lamb with no sin in the flesh is a must. Do you see that? Okay, so uh, that's why the Holy Spirit came over Mary and she um, was and conceived Jesus. There was no male involved. How many know Joseph was on the shelf? No game, Joseph. Sorry, you're out. You're a part of sinful humanity, so you're not in. Okay, so that's why that's important. That's why that branch, there's different branches of Gnosticism, and I don't encourage you looking into all of them. Just don't even bother. There's no point. I mean, theologians sit down and, and just jump back and forth over all the, no point, just, it was wrong, okay? This is right, the Bible's right, okay? So move on with your life, you know what I mean? Um, those that make a living of that stuff, I mean, I won't even read the books, because it's just too, they, they're so in their head, it's not even funny. Um, but anyway, so... It was necessary to understand the humanity of Jesus and the deity. It's an interesting thing that God could be 100% man and 100% God. But in order to have 100% redemption of you, got to have both. Amen? All right. So uh, it's important that we believe those things and at least have a general understanding of that. Um, Our study in chapter 1 led us down the path of knowing our salvation through faith in Christ and understanding that we, if we do sin, we have forgiveness through Jesus Christ, 1 John 1, 9, of course. We saw that we do not lose our salvation every time we sin and that the closer we walk with God, the less we will sin. How many have realized that? Okay. And, And really, you could boil it down to you walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. That's what you could boil it down to. Your thinking changes, you become, more, you, you become more aware of who you are in Christ, and you dominate the nature of your flesh. I don't do the things I did 25 years ago. I don't have, I don't have the, I don't have, the flesh does not rule me in those areas like it did then, uh, when I was first saved. Now, when I was first saved, you probably would have known it from my mouth, but my actions probably would have, you would have wondered, all right, just because, you're young in the Lord. How many think, how many know that a baby acts like a baby because they're a baby? Now, if you come in here and act like a baby at 45, then we got problems. The problem we have in the church is there's a whole lot of Christians been saved for a long time and they're still acting like they're three. And that's a real problem. And that's when, um, when Christians abdicate their responsibility for spiritual growth they turn to prayer chains and somebody else get it for me. That's just reality. When, when we decide, because see, we, don't, we can't make ourselves grow, but we, have a, we determine a lot individually. You know, When we turn our desires away from what God has for us, and try to live, if, if we're really going to mature and, and develop spiritually like we should. Like we should. Uh, I'll, I'll, let's make it a little bit more natural here, okay? This will help you. What if as a baby or as a young child, you only ate 
three or four times a week and you're growing. How many have young, uh, maybe have teenage boys or young kids, or you remember when your boys or young kids were teenagers, do they eat more as when they hit growth spurt? Could you clock when they were in a growth spurt by how they ate? Now, relate that to your spiritual growth. Like uh, one minister said, a lot of Christians feed themselves three hot meals a day and one cold snack a week, spiritually. Naturally, they'll feed themselves three hot meals a day. Spiritually, they'll feed themselves one cold snack a week. Well, I'm sorry, you're going to be anemic. I mean, I'm not really sorry about it, but (laughs) it's just a reality, okay? You have to feed in order to grow, and then you have to move. How many think if you just feed, but your kid never moves? Hello. What happens? Spiritually, same way, right? Okay, so uh, just, just we need to think that way and understand that. So really, First John, of course, is written to Christians, but it is about spiritual development, and that's what we're going to get into in chapter 2. Um, and we went through Second uh, Peter 1, 5 through 11. We talked about the biblical pattern of spiritual growth. And really, spiritual maturity can be boiled down to one thing, agape, a good love walk. Um, true spirituality is walking in love. Now, I'm going to say this. True spirituality or a really spiritual person isn't someone who sees, has dreams every week, godly visions and dreams. It isn't. Go ahead and say, oh, me or amen, one or the other. Just pick one. Just pick one, all right? (laughs) Now, am I against the gifts of the Spirit? No, but it doesn't make you a spiritual person. A spiritual person walks in love. That's when you're walking Come on, when you don't feel like loving someone and you do it by the Spirit of God anyway, you are walking at a high level in the Spirit. Have you ever noticed you feel the, it's like the lowest level at that time? Do you want to know why? Because most of our spirituality is gauged by emotion, not by the Word. Especially Pentecostals. I said especially Pentecostals. We want to swing from the chandeliers <laughs> and feel God in the room. And I do. You know I do. I love it when, he, when, he, when he's in the room. But I like what one minister said one time, when the Spirit of God's moving, run, run hard, jump high, shout, enjoy. But when you hit the ground, walk straight. <laughs> this is where the rubber meets the road. You know, <laughs> People, I, I've done it, but it's true. The, lo- the Lord uses these illustrations for me. You know, people think, uh, you know, they watch NFL players and stuff like that, and they think, man, I'd just love to be in that field, you know, playing with all those guys. You wouldn't. You wouldn't last. Those guys are vicious. Now, when everybody's winning, it's all good. But you got to remember, these are all extremely competitive people with they have a drive to make it to the Super Bowl or whatever we'll just say football so the Super Bowl they're all alpha males you say what do you mean by that they all want to lead and the only way you get a lead is if you're better than the other guy which means they're all fiercely driven you know what those locker rooms are like People think, you know, people think, yeah, it'd be so much fun to lose with, those, with that group. Throw the interception. <laughs> that loses you the game. But discipleship, not that we should be carnal like that, but discipleship, when you understand discipleship and you begin to understand spiritual growth, what it means, what it means is there is severe discipline of the flesh and its nature. There's a shutting down of it. Now on the side of Christianity and walking in the spirit, that means walking in love. And what I've found through the years, and just you read through the epistles, how many times does God deal with 
you guys stop fighting. You get, stop it. Stop it. Read through the epistles sometime, and, and that's, you know, Romans through Revelation. Read through it sometime and see how many times Paul or the others say, don't do that, stop that. And it has not stopped. It's like God knew the nature of humanity. <laughs> he is smart. <laughs> but spiritual growth, what you'll find is you, you sow in your present, but you harvest in your future. So if you sow love, you'll reap love. But oftentimes you're sowing love in the midst of a difficult situation. So you got to ask yourself the question, what do I want the harvest to be? If you are sowing with the intention of harvest at the forefront, you'll sow better in the present. If you're sowing with the understanding of harvesting later, you'll sow better in the present. Right? Come on, how many have things in your life you go, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. That was dumb. That was dumb. Lord, why didn't you slap me? He's like, I empowered you. You choose. That's how spiritual growth is, right? So we never give up on ourselves. Like, I'm not encouraging feeling sorry for yourself or beating yourself up. Like, there's no point. What's the point? God still, we're going to see this. He's our advocate. He's for us. God is not looking to kill us. If he was, we'd all be dead. I believe God's an effective killer if he needed to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, people say, well, I don't want to go to church because the, the roof will fall in on me. God can kill you where you're at. He don't need you to get inside the church. <laughs> I've never understood that thought. I'm like, who do you think he is? He took out 100,000 soldiers by himself. The angel of the Lord just wiped him out in one shot. He doesn't need you to be in the church building. To, and why do I have to die? Because you're a ding-dong and walked in here, and God wants to kill you. I don't think so. I'm not even making sense, all right? So we need to move on. All right, so we looked at Proverbs 3. We looked at the 2 Peter 5, 1, or 1, 5 through 11. And then we looked at Proverbs 3, 13 through 18, which actually we're going to teach on this coming Sunday. So let's go to 1 John chapter 2, verse number 1. And if you want to put a kind of a title over 1 John chapter 2, uh, at least for the first part, you could just put the test of knowing Christ. Knowing Christ or knowing him referred to in 1 John as not being born again. It's about spiritual maturity. So this isn't about being born again. It's about spiritual maturity, okay? There are tons of Christians that are born of, born of God that actually do not know God. They know they're saved. That doesn't mean you know God. How many have walked with the Lord for a few years? And the longer you walk with him, you realize, oh, I didn't know that about you. <laughs> you know, and he's like, yeah, there's a lot about me you don't know. But, but in order to know God, don't think, I gotta get saved. No, you need to fellowship with him. So 1 John deals a lot with, and, and many of the, the epistles do in this sense, avoiding things that hinder fellowship. Sin is a hindrance to fellowship. It, you don't need to get born again every time you sin. You just need to ask for forgiveness. You don't lose relationship when you sin. You hinder fellowship. And listen to me very closely. You don't hinder it on God's side. You hinder it on yours. In other words, what I'm saying is God is mature. So the scripture says God is love. Have you ever read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8? That means God, listen, doesn't take an account of a wrong suffered. Which means the thought in your or my mind of the wrong we did to him, he's not sitting going, yeah, I ain't talking to him for a week. <laughs> but see, we think God's that way because that's how 
we've acted. We're actually enemies in our own mind, not in God's mind. He's going, I like you. Come talk to me. Let's hang out. And, and, and people are going, God doesn't even want to talk to me. And the whole time he's going, yes, I do. But they're so in, in, in a wrong thinking place, they can't even hear the Holy Ghost saying, come here. You know, they're waiting for, they're waiting for the, the, the lightning to strike or the baseball bat to come down. You know, I've been waiting for you. And then he pulls this bat out. <laughs> when you finally get the guts to go back to, to talk to the Lord. And, but the whole time he was waiting there going, well, that was terrible over there by yourself, wasn't it? You should have just been with me the whole time. We'd have been over this two weeks ago. But instead, people think they, you know, they think there's this dark cloud hanging over them and they think they need to rebuke the devil. No, you just need to get in the presence of God. Yep. It's just like that. <laughs> First John chapter two, verse number one says, my little children, this is how the Lord, see, how, how many know compared to God, we're little children, all right? These things I write to you so that you may not sin. So what's the goal here? don't sin. And if anyone sins, we have a prosecutor. A prosecutor? Yeah, we could. Yeah. No, Jesus isn't doing the devil's job. We have an accuser. Who's the accuser? We have a so say it with me. Jesus, Jesus is on my side. We have an advocate with the Father. Watch this. Jesus Christ, the what? Good news. We got the righteous on our side. The accuser's in trouble because we got the advocate. Right? So uh, in other translations, it says this, my little children, the reason I write to you this to you is to keep you from sinning in order that you may not commit an act of sin. If anyone commits an act of sin, though, one who pleads our cause, we constantly have facing the Father. I love that translation. We have a pleader for us, a counsel for defense in the Father's presence, an entreater, Christ the just. I like that. The Passion Translation puts it this way. You are my dear children, and I write these things to you so that you won't sin. But if anyone does sin, we continually have a forgiving Redeemer who is face to face with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Continually, 24-7, his blood is on the mercy seat going, mercy, cleanse, clean, clean. Amen? See, when we ask for forgiveness after we sin, it's for our sake, not for God's. He's good. He believes Jesus did it all. Right? He's like, well, no, that one person, you know, I didn't really account for how bad they would really be. No, that's not God. That's us. We, we just miss it sometimes. I mean, we just, we're not perfect in, in so many ways. And so the, we don't account, but God goes, I knew about that. I knew you were going to do that. So I got a pleader. I got an entreater. This word little children here, my little children, is the word technon in the Greek. And it's used in this verse, it's used in verse 12 and 28. It's used in chapter 3, verse 7 and 18. It's used in chapter 4, verse 4, and chapter 5, verse 21. The word means Christian converts in this context. John is telling his readers that they are all children of God. He is writing to believers. This is born, this is... Uh, a born-again believer, whether they are mature or not. So this word children, it has nothing to do with level of maturity. It just means you're a child. So I'm a McFarlane. 
You can't ever stop that. It's done. I mean, the guy who, who uh, is my father is in heaven, but I'm still a what? Yeah, his body and blood are in the dirt, but his blood is still running in me and in my brother Toby and in my brother Chris and in my sister Carrie. <laughs> and we have another sibling that apparently was uh, a miscarriage before we were ever born. And as far as I know, they're in heaven. Right? That's what I understand. So there's actually five of us, but I'm the best one. <laughs> oh, Lord. And they're not even here to defend themselves. Although Chris probably is watching online right now. <laughs> from Texas. <laughs> so what does that word mean? It means you're in the family. Okay, so this is not a matter of spiritual maturity right here. This is just, just means you're in the family. So we see from the passage that the goal is to eliminate sin from our lives. How many realize that sin's not a good thing? It causes problems, you know? So don't do it. But people say, well, what if I do it? Then you have an advocate. But the goal is to what? Not do it. And we're empowered to live in righteousness, right? We're empowered to have our mind renewed. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to crucify the nature of our flesh. But how many have recognized this? It takes time. And God did God account for the time it would take you. Now, that doesn't mean he'll look at you and go, now, you should be further along, you little old stinker. Because he will. We know that from Scripture. But does that mean he gives up on us? Never. He is constant. He has a constant entreater, a constant advocate before him saying, righteousness, let's keep going. Mercy, grace, I'm on their side. And that was God's idea. It's not like Jesus is the, is the really nicety version of God and God is like the mean, angry, wrath version of God and the Holy Spirit's just waiting in between the two of them going, I don't know, what do you guys want to do? You know what I mean? No, they're all three, but they're one. They all have the same motivation. They all have the same, come on. From before I ever got here, they said, let's redeem him. I like that thought. It helps me. It increases my faith. It means that when I'm in a trial or a difficult situation or I'm fighting something, something that's trying to come against my body or my money or my family or the church or whatever, what do I have on my side? This confidence knowing that God is for me, so who can be against me? Because you know, as well as I do, this old dirty world is mean. They are mean, mean. And demons are mean. <laughs> they will, they will, they will uh, smile at you and then steal, kill, and destroy from you. That's their goal. But you know who's on my side? I got a good lawyer. <laughs> I love this. I wrote this down. He's our advocate, right? He's our advocate. The thing about, let me, let me go back to this, the first part of this verse. The thing about people that sin is, Christian, I should say this, Christians that are living in sinful patterns, okay? It's not a condemnation thing. You're just not a great witness. You're just not, there's not a salt and light like there should be. And it affects things. It affects your witness to others. And so the Lord desires that we don't do that because he wants others to come into the kingdom, right? And we love the Lord. How many think, uh, how many, if, if John Bevere has some of the greatest teachings in this area, and he has, a, I think his sons did a couple of videos or a video on this. Um, can, they, they have this engagement scene going on where this man is gonna, is gonna be engaged to this, or there is engaged to this girl, and they're about to be married, and she says to him, yes, I agree, I love you so much, I wanna get married to you and all of that, but before we get married, I wanna go back and have relationships with all the other guys. But see, people treat God this way. 
Do you see the point? So we don't want to do that. You know, I mean, uh, people in their right mind would never do that. They don't agree to that. I mean, if they understand, understand love and true righteousness, commitment and covenant, you don't do that. So that's the goal when it comes to the Father. We don't want to live like that. Now, if we mess up, we sin, whatever, that's obviously why Jesus came. People, say, people have said this to me before. They imply that their relationship with God, as far as being able to fellowship and have relationship with him, is based on their works. Listen, if it was, there's no point in Jesus coming. But in our hearts, we should never live. If, if you desire to hurt God, something's wrong. I question whether you're saved or not. If you desire it. Now, people say, well, I'm making a lot of mistakes. Yeah, but how's your heart? You're going, oh, why do I keep doing that? Your heart's right. We just got to get your old noodle fixed and get you to control this bag of meat right here, and we'll have you on your way. <laughs> People say, oh, don't talk that way. Why? It's all going to dust. God, God is so not impressed with this thing, he's given me a new one. <laughs> Have you ever read testimonies about people dying and coming back? I heard one a while back, and this was a lady, and she was in Africa, actually. And uh, she died, and she's, this angel was taking her around and showing her all these different things. And then he brought her all the way back to her body, and he's like, well, you got to go back. And she's like, ooh. <laughs> she looked at her, but she just was like, I don't want anything to do with that. And he said, well, you need to treat it nice until you're done. You know, just, you know, okay. So anyway, it's a good thought. Okay, so... What else do we have here in the second part of this verse? So we know, we know that our goal is not to sin, that we're empowered, and we're, we should be living this progressively maturing life. All right? That's the goal. We're, we're progressing in love. We're progressing in obedience. We're progressing in maturing with the Lord. We know that God's not impatient with us. And he also, in his understanding, forethought, in his predestination of understanding things in the future, knew that not only in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ would, those, would sin, the sin nature have to be taken care of, but then sins would have to be taken care of. So he took care of both. Okay, so we're redeemed, we're born again, but he also knew, oh, Sean's a knothead still. We're gonna have a little problems with him here and there. We're gonna have to make sure that we got enough purification in store to maintain what we have. And so the blood sits on the mercy seat and goes, mercy, 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 cleanse, cleanse, cleanse. 24-7. How many agree I need it? How many agree you need it? Praise the Lord. All right. So not only do we have that, but we have an advocate. So what is an advocate? It is one who pleads another's case with one. It is an intercessor. An intercessor. The word advocate, actually th this idea, this thought means the redeemer who ends the curse. <laughs> the curse has ended in my life. How about yours? Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Having been made a curse for me. Wow. That's, that's impressive. That's really impressive. So he's an advocate. So we saw in the previous teachings that Jesus is pleading for our redemption, not our condemnation. Jesus so cares for us that included in his death, burial, and resurrection is an eternal advocate. An eternal advocate. We are represented by the law firm of grace and faith. <laughs> I have an advocate in the law firm of grace and faith. Tough, devil. You know, the devil coming, this is it. It's over for you. You, you know what you did wrong. I say, hmm, I need to speak to my lawyer I need to speak to my advocate. And the accuser comes and says, Sean did this, this, and this. And then the, my advocate whispers in my ear. He said, you're about to go on the stand. This is all you do. Just plead the blood. 
And he's got, the devil's got full evidence of me doing stupid. I mean, doing sin, right? He's got the words recorded. He's got it written down. Probably got video. Of course, today, everybody's got a video. You know, he's got his cell phones out making sure that I get busted for what I do. And then I get on the stand and the father is there and the accuser comes out and he plays all this stuff or he says, I have all these accusations against Sean, this, this, and this, and this. And then, the, 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 then it, is, it is asked of me, how, what do you say? How do you plead? concerning these things and I say I plead the blood now if you go to well I prayed three hours last week you're toast because that's not how you got redeemed you got redeemed by faith in the blood that's it what is that song? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. The devil accuse you all day long and you stand up and go, I plead the blood. And he go, oh, we lost the case. Too bad. You know what else I love about this, this verse? And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the, he's still your father after you sin. You're still, you're still in the fam. He didn't kick you out. Notice he didn't say you gotta get a new father. You're still in the family. (laughs) Oh, man, it's so good. He's an advocate. He pleads our case. If anyone sins, Jesus is present to serve as his advocate, a term often used for one who would testify in a person's favor in court. Christ is face to face with the Father making intercession for the Christians on the basis of his own righteousness granted to the believer. It's a good thing Jesus doesn't go to the Father and go, well, let me show you all the good works they did. We'd fail. But if he goes to the Father and says, I present myself on their behalf, it's why I'm healed. It's why I'm free. I'm blessed. I mean, come on. I, I, don't ha- I didn't have to come up with it. Whew. It's why when I use the name of Jesus, devils run. Because I'm aware that it isn't me that has to be the power. I don't have to. It's his power. I love it. (laughs) When Christians do sin, we have an advocate or intercessor who argues our case with the Father. The advocate is Jesus. He continually stands on our behalf and offers his sacrifice for our sins as our defense. Again, this needs to be repeated. Jesus is our advocate, and his blood is, the, is pleading redemption and righteousness on our behalf. God is not looking for ways to send people to hell. He is not. In fact, he has done everything in his power to prevent that. For you and me. In the creation and redemption of mankind, there is only one thing that God has refused to touch, and that is our free will. This means ultimately that Satan, demons, people, or even God do not make our decision concerning our eternity. We do. God makes permanent our decision. So when I get to heaven, it's not going to do me any good to say, well, can St. Peter open the gates? Can Mother Mary do something? No, they can't. Only Jesus. I have the key. I have open, I have an open door for me because I know the code word. 
Jesus. <laughs> right? So how bad are situations that we're facing? How bad are they, really? <laughs> I was praying uh, yesterday. Just take it, no, this morning, in my, in my devotion time. Uh, I was praying, and just praying about some things, and uh, just different stuff, trying, uh, or not trying, but getting answers on things. You know how sometimes you have to kind of pray through things? It takes a little bit of time before you get the answer. If you've never experienced that, well, more power to you. But anyway, so... <laughs> I have. <laughs> so I was praying through some of these things and just thinking about it and praying. And, and, and I just was seeing different things as I was praying about situations that, are, I'm de- that you're dealing with, whether it be with your family or your, you know, your life, all the areas of your life. Th- think about all the areas of your life, whether it's business, it's church, whatever it is. And I, I saw and I was praying. And as I was praying about these things, I just realized something and it just came up within me. The answer to the problems is always the sword. So I was, the Lord's had me on that scripture in James 1, verse 2, 3, and 4. Brethren, or sisterin, that's all right. You know, some people think it's not written to women, it is, it's just a, they just made it masculine, but it's general. You could say children, count it, all joy. No, we don't like that. You know why you have to count it joy? Because it don't feel it. Now the word count means like an officer leading a group. When we think count, what do we think? One, two, and there's a thought there that could work. But really in the Greek, it, it, he's saying He's saying, children of God, let joy lead when you fall into various trials. Now we think fall, what do we think? I tripped and fell. Or, you know, something happened and you fell, right? That word fall, actually the idea or the thought is when you're encompassed in the Greek. Which means... You maybe did, maybe you were just bumping along doing what you were supposed to do, and all of a sudden you're surrounded by an enemy. And in the midst of that, you're supposed to go, Glory, this is wonderful. Joy, I have joy. I let joy lead. And while the enemy's doing everything he can, this is your escape. Well, you just don't know how bad the report was. Count it all. Now, don't, don't do this. God, I just thank you that you're just beating me with these problems. <laughs> just, just keep beating me, Jesus. I'll keep the faith. That's nonsense doctrine. That is nonsense doctrine. That's not what the Lord's saying. What he's saying is rejoice in me because I'm going to remove your enemy out of your midst. And you're going to be, good is going to, my promises are going to manifest in your life. And glory will go to God. Yes, amen. amen? That's what he's saying. Now watch, when you do that, and this is the last part of it, let patience have its perfect, see that's another word that our, our flesh hates. Patience. Well, I thought, he, I thought God loved me. Why didn't he just deliver me right now? Why can't he just, I thought God loved me. You know, I've heard so many things. The nature of the flesh, you just, you know, you need to slap yourself sometimes. But anyway, (laughs) patience, let patience. If you look at it from the side of, oh, I got to wait, you're not working in it right. But, But if you look at it from the side of, oh, devil, you thought my muscles were big before. Longer it takes. The stronger I get. Because the idea is let patience have its perfect work. It actually means the idea or the thought is let the exercise of patience work. So it's like lifting weights. See, you're not getting patience from it. You're strengthening your patience in it. You're developing patience. Patience. 
People will look at you five years later and go, you've been working out? <laughs> like three people got that. Three people. Because they think, five years later? But I don't <laughs> And yet we'll sit in services where God's moving and go, I'll go anywhere, Lord. I'll do anything. Uh, and God's like, well, if you could just drive home without getting mad, that would be a good start. <laughs> but you're going to go cast out all the devils in all the world, right? <laughs> That's why you bought a four-wheel drive. You drive over the top of them, you know? <laughs> in other words, maturity is a must. But we have an advocate. So let's keep growing. Don't yield to how you feel. Yield to the word. <laughs> well, I just don't see how we're going to get through this. Well, turn over to 1 Corinthians 10. The only way you're going to see how to get through is by not seeing. We walk by and if you're trying to see your way out in the natural, you're not in faith yet. You gotta get in faith first. So you have to believe that God will get you through before you can see the way through. Make sense? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is. Now, what if we ministered this to people that were having a bad day? I got a word for you, sister. Your problem is as common as everybody else's. <laughs> Do you know what a lot of so-called spiritual ministry is? It's just emotionalism. Unless we see our problems this way, we're actually not in faith. People say, but you don't know how bad it is. It's common to man, actually. All of it is common to man. Well, you don't know how unfair it was. Unfairness is very common to man. It means mankind. You guys understand that. Well, you did, the situation is, it's dire. Common, actually. It's not dire, it's common. But the diagnosis, it's common. It's common. I can feel faith rising in a few people on this. They're like, wait a minute, yeah. Why am I giving this thing so much credit? It's common. Sometimes you just gotta, <laughs> let's get her done, boys. Mount up, soldiers. Right? People talk about conceal and carry in the natural. What about in the spirit? <laughs> I love this verse. It's common to man. But God is, well, you never know what God's gonna do. <laughs> now people twist this verse all over the place I mean I've heard this verse quote and I'm thinking to myself what in the world then they go to the next part and go he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able and they read that and they go yeah God gave me this because he knows that is not what this verse says <laughs> but I've heard that said so many times and you know what that is that's religious men's ideas trying to give understanding outside of the realm of faith. They're trying to, they're trying to actually what it boils down to is very simply a, an emotional comfort. Try, they're trying to minister natural wisdom to natural situations. And this is spiritual wisdom. It's not natural wisdom. This is outside the realm of just our ability to come up with an answer. This is supernatural. 
It requires faith. I mean, you think about it, how did you get born again? I mean, was that a natural moment for you? No. He won't allow you. In other words, what it's saying is, go back to the first part of the verse, no temptation is overtaking you except what is common to man. The temptation that's against you, it's not beyond the ability of Christ within you. Watch this. But with the temptation will also what? Leave you in it. Where's the way of escape? These are the doors. The devil will come to you and he'll go, well, you're never, your kid's never getting out of this situation. And you'll go, mm, you're wrong. I have authority over you, devil. I bind you in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over them and I have my, the promise of my family down to a thousand generations. We are going to ruin so many of the devil's plans. We're already doing it, but it's just going to multiply. He thinks he has us. And we're in the one who sees the end from the beginning. I mean, we got this in him. And then he'll come to you and say, yeah, but you, you know, you, you, you didn't pray all those years. Yeah, I took care of that with my advocate, and now I'm in. And God has this wonderful thing of redeeming time. Redeeming time. Not to mention the fact that we as a church are interceding too on your behalf. You know, people, you know, they don't, sometimes they don't realize this, but around here, we really believe our prayers are effective. They're working on your behalf right now. I'm praying for you. And my prayers are not slack. I go right to the throne room and I make tremendous power available. Of course I do it for me, but for you. Even if you're, you're not praying like you should be, we are. Now, your, your effectiveness is gonna heighten if you do your part. But as long as you're under this place of authority in the spirit, there'll be answers that you didn't even pray about. Absolutely. God is, God is looking to answer prayers. He's not going, well, you know. They were Lutheran for a lot of years. I don't know. <laughs> Just, you know, let them squirm down there a little bit longer. Is he doing that? No. He's not. If you get your, I should say this way, the more we get our thinking right, our passion in things and devotion in things, our ability to walk in more of the fullness of who we are in Christ will increase. When you, when you wake up in the morning, you don't feel God anywhere. You just need to say, thank you, Lord, that, that you are, we are united. We're not going by feelings. We're going by the word. You, you ever read Smith Wigglesworth? Somebody made the mistake of asking him one time how he felt. Made the mistake of asking him how he felt. And he barked at him. Smith Wigglesworth was uh, aggressive. That might be an understatement. He, he once, a lady came up for healing one time in one of his meetings. This is recorded. And she couldn't, uh, her friends were holding her up. And he looked at the two ladies that, were, that brought, him and brought her and said, let her go. 
He didn't even go down and go, in the name of Jesus, none of that. He just said, let her go. They let her go. You know what she did? He said, pick her up. They picked her up. He said, let her go. And this lady's sick. She's in pain. It's not like, it's not like, you know, and people, in one of his meetings, a guy stood up and said, you brood of a man, how dare you treat, he said, you shut up and sit down. You mind your business, I'll mind mine. And he was a big plumber, like a big guy. And the person, of course, got healed. So this lady, <laughs> some people, we have no idea. We really don't have any idea a lot of times because we, I'm not gonna even go there. I just need to grow more. So he, he, he looks at the, he looks at the, at the two ladies that pick her up and they're, they're like, what? You know, they thought they were, you know, friends of hers. And so they pick her back up. He said, let her go. And then she stood. And if I remember right, a tumor dropped off her and she was instantly healed. What if they would have stopped after two? Crazy friends. People of faith will rip a roof off. Get a healing Why those who got the best seats and were the highest places of religious position got nothing and went away looking for murder. God is so much cooler in the scriptures and everything than people realize. Because we live in this suppressed world. But we have authority. Yes. Amen? Let's, let's uh, stand. And let's just confess some things. Because, and, and I, now I want, what I want you to do with this is get in your mind some situations that you're dealing with. You know, maybe you dealt with them this week. I don't know. I don't know what the situations are. <clears throat> but let's make some declaration over our own lives and over the church and over your extended families. But let's be in faith. <laughs> People, you know, Leanne was just here. And uh, she gives the prophetic word that she does concerning the church and different things like that. And then things start happening in a short amount of time. The devil starts trying to move and do things. And sometimes, because I've had, I've, through the years, I've seen this so many times. I don't even care anymore, to be honest with you. But I watch this happen. All the, I watch this with people in the church. I watch people uh, growing spiritually, walk through different things. And we're praying, we're believing God of course, but you can't make decisions for people. They have to make them. You have to choose. Do you understand this? And, I, and this is why I, I don't say this because I just want to be antagonistic, even though sometimes it probably feels that way. <laughs> but I don't say it just for that. I really believe this. People say to me, what are you going to be doing in 20 years? Whatever Jesus is. That's what I'm doing. Well, what if, what if, uh, uh, you know, what if this person or that group or people that used to come here don't come anymore? Or you, you know, or the church is, you know, uh, four hundred instead of two hundred or six hundred, and, and and people decide, well, I just can't be in a church. I'm still going to be doing what Jesus tells me to do, whether it whether anybody goes or not. I'm going. It's been settled. I have no other plan. I have no plan B. Well, how are you going to retire? Eventually, my body's going to die anyway, and I'll just be in heaven, and you figure out all the money. I'll be gone. What do I care? My retirement is gold streets. What if the government... Who cares what the government's going to do? Do whatever you want. I'm going to go preach. What if they put you in prison? I'll preach in prison. What if they, you know, well, they'll have to give me pen and paper. I'll write letters. My, <laughs> this is my point, okay, with all of this. You have to have that mentality. 
It's, ex- it's good for you to support maybe and be encouraging to me. But I'm not telling you that so that you will just be like, yeah, that Sean, he really gets her done. No, I'm saying that that faith needs to be in you concerning your family, your future, your money, your home, your kids, your world. You have to be like Wigglesworth. You have to go pick her up. I mean, concerning your stuff. Do you understand what I mean by that? To where you go, I will not quit. Well, these people don't believe you can do it. So what? You know, when you live in a world, there's so many things as a pastor you cannot control. Now, if you think about your life, there's a whole bunch you can't control either. But there are so many things that we can't control. So you better be in faith. Because if you get your eyes on man, your faith, it isn't there. There's not enough substance. So let's do this. Say this with me. Say, I have an advocate. Jesus is for me, not against me. God is for me not against me. He is providing the ways of escape. Satan, I command you, take your hands off my stuff in the name of Jesus. You cannot have my family, have my home, have my marriage, have my kids, have my church, have my business. You cannot have anything that is under covenant with God Almighty. (laughs) Say this with me. You cannot, Satan, you cannot, in the name of Jesus, have my physical health. can't have it. Devil come to you and say, yeah, but you did all those drugs. You did all that stuff. You did all that drinking. You did all that stuff. You say, the medication of heaven is working in my body. You wonder where I get that. Proverbs 4.22 says, his word is health and to all my flesh. All of it. Let's do one more. Say this with me. Say, Father God, I will believe you. You are my source. You see me through. Though a thousand fall on my side, 10,000 on the other side, I will trust you. All the way. To, to the end. Just here's the thing. As long as the world turns and you're breathing, you can believe God. And you know what greater way to demonstrate faith than the, in than in the midst of everything looking like it's going wrong and you stand up and go <laughs> Glory to God, we've got the victory in Christ. God has a way of visiting people and dealing in situations that we just can't. And he's doing it. And we're going to enjoy the rewards because we're in faith all the way to the end. (laughs) Amen? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.